Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's football and random things on a Monday morning. Another victory Monday after Iowa State's 37-30 to 30 win over Oklahoma on Saturday. The Cyclones are back in the AP poll, and I'm back here with Jeff Woody. What's up, man? Not much, man. This is this this is, I could do this again. The the victory Monday deal where you are I don't know not apologizing away Iowa State's performance where you're actually saying hey this is how they won the game. It's a much more enjoyable experience for me, which is really the only thing that's that matters is those that are covering the team. It makes us feel better. That's it. It's the only reason why they keep winning. Right. They just care about your feelings. Well, ours. It's easier for you, too. So it's our feelings. It certainly did make my Saturday a lot easier to see Iowa State come out with the win. Uh, it got a little stressful at times. Kind of a weird game. Wild game. But it was a fun one. Nonetheless, where do you want to start? Um, I think we have to start with the defense. Just because anytime Oklahoma comes to town, you are running into again, the best defense or best offensive coach in college football. Yeah. Plus you have the top quarterback recruit who is really good. Like we can, I, I think we can say that with certainty is really good. Um, and I don't want to say out coached because Lincoln Riley put Spencer Rattler in positions to succeed in the second half. Uh, but the coaching was out executed by Iowa state basically from the fourth drive of the game on. And what they did was brilliant, especially with knowing who they were playing. So I think we, we got to start the defense. I don't know if you had any, like last week we gave out 13 game balls. I don't know if you had any in your mind. Cause I have at least a few that I would like to, to, to officially pass out. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I've got some, I'm sure they over, overlap quite a bit. You, you, you show your list. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, I guess the first one, but this isn't on the defense. Uh, I'll, okay, I'll go to the defense. First one goes to Mike Rose, uh, leading tackler for Cyclones on Saturday. I think he had 11 tackles, had a sack, uh, had a QB hurry, tackle and a half, uh, one and a half tackles for loss, six solo stops, was all over the field for the entire game. That was the number one. I think when, uh, you know, I, I turned my phone on, do not disturb during the game just because you know some people are watching it like i watch it on youtube tv which has like a 45 second lag over someone who's watching it on like on the the over the air stuff so someone texts like oh damn and then 45 seconds later i see what they're saying oh damn to so i turn my phone on do not disturb but after the game or like in breaks the first thing i said after the game to you was i don't know what mike rose's stats were but i think he was the most impactful defensive player um, because of where he was in every situation was exactly where he needed to be and exactly where Spencer Rattler didn't want him. So that's it. I, Mike Rose to me had was the best defensive player um, or was the one that stuck out the most to me as far as how he executed his job, which just threw everything for Oklahoma off the rails. Yeah. And I mean, I think you can pinpoint a couple different plays where, uh, he came up especially big. There was the one run uh, in the second half. I want to say it was in the fourth quarter when the guy kind of danced behind the line of scrimmage a little bit. And then he came flying through and got him down. I think maybe any had a hold of him 
mm-hmm. but Mike Rose was the one who who finished it off. And it was just those kinds of plays where they really needed someone to step up and get a guy on the ground in a key moment. And he he played a big role in really limiting Oklahoma's uh, run game, which uh, I guess they, they did finish with 124 yards rushing. But, you know, for the most part, they completely took the Oklahoma running game out of the out of the equation. Uh, Spencer Rattler had thirty or twenty five of those yards. So when you factor in the running backs only, uh, they net ninety nine yards on the day. And I mean, I think Mike Rose. You can probably give a lot of credit to him, uh, Jake Hummel, guys like that for for being able to slow that down as well as the defensive line. Well, I think that and the thing that that Mike has always done is the same thing that um, someone like. Uh, Greg Eisworth brings. Eisworth is like a technician, but he's really physical when he does it. Mike takes it kind of to the next level where the, the, the way that I would describe Mike Rose, like the first adjective that comes to mind is physical. Like you, if you get tackled by Mike Rose, you don't question if you, you did or didn't get tackled. And I think there was a bunch of little, like there's a bunch of different turning points. Like I don't necessarily know. I don't necessarily know if you could call them like linchpin moments. I don't think there's any of those, I feel like there's, you can't retrospectively say, Hey, this was the moment that turned the game, but there was a lot of moments that had that happen. And the first one was um, the first time that I think the defense started becoming Iowa state, like dominant defense. So as an, as a note, just like to, to illustrate the point of the, the difference between the first half and the second half in the first half, total cumulative yards, which they even started to slow Oklahoma down by the end of the second quarter. But Oklahoma averaged 7.7 yards per play in the first half. They averaged 4.2 in the second half. So there's this huge like split right down. It was after it was during the fourth drive when they started changing things up and the, where this happened. And I think this, again, the first kind of linchpin moment for the defensive when they started flipping things around was when you watch game film on Spencer Rattler, you see a quarterback who doesn't really like to run all that much before, but like before this week, he would come into the open field, he'd slide, um, he would gain the yards that he would want to, and then kind of avoid contact. In the first couple drives, he was doing like a lot of juking, a lot of, he wasn't really, he slid, but he slid late. Like he was trying to be a mobile quarterback. He was trying to be Jalen Hurts in, in a sense where he's gaining extra yards. He's trying to do everything to be a mobile quarterback. And that goes against the the game film. So I'm sure as a defensive player, you're told like, okay, he's going to slide, you know, make sure you don't pick up a cheap penalty, which they ended up getting, you know, two cheap penalties uh, against Rattler. But in the first half, in the first couple drives, like that touchdown or right leading into that touchdown, like the runs they would get down the field, Iowa State wasn't really looking to like hit him, hit him because they, you don't want to get that penalty. You know, like you can't lead all of your body mass towards a quarterback who's protected as soon as he starts to slide. So you kind of got to, it's this weird in between period, but as soon as like, not as soon as halfway through the second quarter, it became apparent that Rattler wanted to run. And it was sort of like, Iowa State like cracked their knuckles. Like, okay, son, you want to run now? (laughs) will run. Right. And so he, in, it was the scramble that he was going down the left side. He didn't run out of bounds and Mike Rose hit him with a shoulder pad square in the body and probably got a little bit of shoulder pad up in the helmet. And after that point, Rattler always recognized that someone was coming. And so that was kind of the first moment where the defense started playing him as a runner and less as a sliding quarterback. And once they did that, 
keep in mind, this is Spencer Rattler's really, I mean, he played in games last year, but they were, they were up like 52 to 10 when, yeah. by the time he had gotten in. So this is really his third game. And the two teams that he's played beforehand were Missouri State, which is very bad, and then Kansas State, which is a pretty solid team. And they did the same thing in the second half as they started to hit him. They started to physically make him think about what's coming because in our Arizona high school, you don't have 245-pound linebackers that are running 4'6", 4'5". You have that at both Big 12 defenses that you've run into so far. In the first half, though, Iowa State was paying really passive, again, playing him as a, as a, a passing quarterback who's going to slide. But as soon as they thumped him, which was Mike, as soon as they hit him that time, it started to – it slowed his thought process of looking down the field, and it brought his eyes a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. And then it changed. It kept going for the latter part of the game. So, yeah, game ball one goes to Mike because of, one, generally being in the right spot at all times, and, two, being really physical, which made – Rattler think a lot more than he in the second half, a lot more than he did in the first half because he had actually felt that physicality. I think a uh, game ball needs to just go to John Haycock as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. What? It was just saying it was brilliant. Oh yeah. And and the adjustments that they were able to make um, from those first couple drives when Oklahoma was really able to, uh, they were able to move the ball pretty easily. And, um, I need to look at the drive chart, but it seemed like there was a moment where it was like, uh, uh, they like, they, they made a very clear, um, adjustment to get it to where Oklahoma just could not move the ball at the same, uh, at the same rate. And I think it came, it looks like it maybe was Oklahoma's first drive of the second quarter. I don't know. They scored on that one. It was the fourth drive. It was their fourth overall drive, um, which led to a punt, which started yeah. at 10-12. Yeah. It was that drive, which is when everything switched. Yeah, so that was uh, their second drive of the second half of the second quarter. And um, it was like they'd been able to get Oklahoma into third downs, but they just had not been able to get off the field. And a big piece of that was obviously Spencer Rattler's running. And, I mean, I don't know how many third downs he converted where he just ran for, the, ran for it. Mm-hmm. And – they kind of went back to what they had done a year ago where they would not necessarily like do a full on spy with someone, but the defensive line did a much better job of maintaining the uh, maintaining contain and not letting him just like run all over the place and making him stand there and make decisions. And um, like I said, uh, game ball to, uh, to Spencer Rattler or not Spencer Rattler, John Haycock for uh, being able to contain that offense for now what the, third, fourth year in a row, basically. And so here's the, the thing that to, to get a little more gritty with what Haycock uh, had done uh, in, in switching what they did. So, you know, I, I, the TCU game, I use this metaphor as, you know, Floyd Mayweather fight where he's spending the first three rounds sizing up what you do. Like, what are you bringing into the game? What is your, what is your MO? What do you want? What do you like? What do you feel? As the season goes on, you need less of that time because you've got more on film. There's a bigger sample size. With Spencer Rattler specifically, you have these huge, this Jekyll and Hyde situation where in the first half against Kansas State, uh, other, you mean had two picks, but like you have some plays which are terrific and some plays which are garbage and you don't really know what you're going to get because you can't, Missouri State just throw it out the window. It's bad film. But 
when you don't really have much of a, it was sort of like, again, going to TCU, you don't really know what you're going to get. So you kind of just have to play your base defense until you get a feel for what they want. Um, and so they're playing base or playing a lot of base defense. They bring a little bit of pressure, but it was kind of like, you, it was really standard pressure, you know, bring double a gap kind of blitz or, and then put, or zero pressure, something, something that doesn't require a lot of, of, I don't know. It, it doesn't, it's not trying to elicit a specific response. It's just, mm -hmm. I want to see what you do to this pressure. And what they did after they got to that point is the thing that they realized is one, he doesn't really like getting hit. I mean, granted, he's got some, he's got some stones. He's, he does take hits well in the sense that he can get back up from him and still continue to play. And the kid has an incredibly accurate arm. Iowa State did dodge a few bullets with whether it's drop passes or contested passes that didn't come down. Um, but what Iowa State started to do is they started bringing unconventional pressures out of their base look. So the, the best example of this was um, in the, it was in the third quarter. It was, it was right before the uh, targeting penalty. And it was the sack that they had. I think number 20 was the one that brought the pressure. I forget. It was that. Aircorn. Uh, it was Aircorn. Yeah. So if you go back and just freeze frame that. So for those that want to rewatch it, the, right before the ball is snapped, there's three down linemen. There's it's your, your conventional three, three, five. There's nothing on. If you are the quarterback and you look out, you say, all right, they're playing base defense. But what happens is they slant the entire defensive lineman to the boundary, to the Oklahoma sideline. Then they bring both Orion Vance and they bring horn off the edge. The tackle picks up one of them. If Rattler was more experienced, if he had been playing for three years, he would know he's got to throw hot off that one, but he was, he had already taken his eyes out because what they had shown is we're playing base. We're playing base. This looks like base. All of a sudden it's not a base. Look, there is an unblocked defender, which it, it's not necessarily that it was a protection fault. That guy is hot. If, he, if there's two that come off the front side of that protection, you can't block one of them. Say they knew he was going to get pressure. An experienced quarterback looks at the, the receiver on the right and goes, hey, if they blitz two, I want you to run a slant right behind where that guy leaves. But he, didn't make, he doesn't think that way because he hasn't seen enough of it. So he looks downfield or he looks at the pre-snap read and goes, all right, this is base defense. He drops back, is looking downfield like it's because he's just assuming that he's protected. Because as a quarterback, you can't look at the rush and also look at the downfield the coverage. You have to look at the coverage and feel the rush. So he was like, all right, I'm protected, I'm protected, I'm protected. All of a sudden, boom, hard. Like that one, you can feel it in, I could feel it in my bones from him getting hit on that one. And that was coming out of a, what looked exactly like a base look. The very next down, which is the one they actually got called for the targeting, they had brought, they put their three defensive linemen in wide sets in a, in a straight pass rush look. And they brought Mike Rose and I think Orion Vance both sitting in the A gap, which is a very clear blitz look. And you know how many people they brought out of that one? Three. They dropped everybody else back and they went into, they played their base defense out of a blitz look. Literally one play after he took a helmet to the sternum and he was a, it was a perfectly protected pocket. He didn't have to run but he started to scramble the instant that he felt any type of pressure because he got spooked by being hit again and again, and them giving him unconventional looks where they're bringing blitzes out of a, a, a safe pressure. And they're bringing, they're bringing three out of a blitz pressure. And so they're giving him these ridiculous looks that counteract what his intuition is, which bring his eyes from looking at the protect or looking at the coverage to looking down at who's coming. 
So they may not have gotten a ton of sacks. Like I don't remember. I don't know the exact sack number. It probably was like two. three, two. It two. wasn't a ton of sacks, but the hits on the quarterback and where they came from was what they they took this freshman quarterback who's not seen a lot, and they gave him basically the inverse of what you should expect from what they were looking at. And by the time he got done with like the middle of the fourth quarter, when they actually were just straight up playing a base defense, he kind of started to relax at least a little bit more, but he always had this kind of in the back of his mind, I got to scramble. I have to get out of the pocket because someone's coming from somewhere because I don't know what this look is going to give me. Give it three years. You're not going to be able to do the same thing. You're going to have to play a base. You're going to have to do a lot more different stuff. But with an inexperienced quarterback like this, who doesn't like being hit, it's a, it was a big shakeup from what they did before. Cause again, they played base early. What are you going to do? They blitzed out of blitz looks and they played base out of base looks. And then they switched it and said, all right, we're playing blitz out of base look and we're playing base out of a blitz look. We're going to bring corner pressure out of, again, not giving any indicator. So the defense that they switched up was to give Rattler the opposite of what he thought which made him think a lot more and just couldn't let that, that didn't let him just get out and throw. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny because that play with Eric Horn, I think everybody that was watching the game knew that Spencer Rattler was about to get sacked besides Spencer Rattler. Uh-huh. Like that was a, a play where like, it was, it was, I mean, from where I was in the press box, you could see him. It was like, Oh boy, he better get rid of this ball. Like never he's did. about to, he's about to get cracked. He didn't, he never even saw him. I mean, no, he didn't. Yeah. Even when he got hit, I don't think he ever even saw him and that, but that's just what was so impressive. And I mean, I think you got to give credit to to Iowa state's defense where for a long time, I mean, they were able to get pressure on him, even with just the defensive linemen and, but they could never get home on it. And then, you know, late in the fourth quarter, Will McDonald finally gets home on one and it's like, okay. A hell of a spin move, by the way. On oh yeah. That was big time. Yeah. And man, they gave him a half sack for that. And I know Mike Rose was right there, but that should have been, that should have been all <laughs> Will McDonald's sack. sack. Yeah. Will McDonald. Yeah. Right. Right. But uh, no, dude, man, Will McDonald made another play, dude, where they dropped him back into coverage. Uh. I think he came from his defensive end position, but he tackled a receiver like from uh, like way out on like the sideline. And when it, when it happened, I, I saw him pop up and I was like, wait, number nine, who, who made that tackle? Someone's nine. like, well, McDonald. I was like, uh, okay. Damn. So another thing I wanted to bring up, you mentioned Will McDonald is a thing that Iowa state is going to see because of how much success they've had in the early part of the season and the back half of last year with guys like McDonald and Bailey, um, Mike Rose, is a really good pass rusher. Uh, Latrell Bankston is a really good interior pass rusher. They could Oklahoma only really ever on, on most of their pass routes only sent four receivers because they left one of their tight ends in so they could double McDonald, they could double Bailey and they could double Bankston. So they sent a center and a guard to the nose tackle. They set a guard and a tight end, to one of the defensive ends and they sent the other tap or the other guard and the other tackle to the other one. So they double teamed all three of the defensive linemen when they were in their just rush three, which means there's only four guys to actually get out in the route with eight in coverage. So one of those, a lot of times was going to be a tailback who kind of would leak out. And eventually the thing that they did to, to counteract that, as you talked about that, like pseudo spy, one of the things that the spy wanted to do is they would, they would, the running backs always like to release to the field if for Oklahoma. 
And so they kind of would shade this guy like to the field to sort of keep that little dump off away and make Rattler hold on to it. Like you don't just take away his check down and then force him to do stuff. So the Iowa state, I bet going like going down the road is going to see a lot more of this only send four down because you've got to double everybody who you're going to, yeah. Who are you going to single block? Mm-hmm. You're going to single block Will McDonald. Probably not your best choice. Going to single block Jaquan Bailey. We know that's not a good choice. Going to single block Latrell Bankston or Isaiah Lee, or, you know, it's probably also not a good choice. Even if you have Creed Humphrey, the best center in college football. So who do you, you're going to have to double one of them if they're going to be this good pass rushing out of three. So Iowa state might see a lot more of that in these kind of, especially longer down to distance situations that, all right, they're going to double everybody, bring one extra body and is unblocked. You get a single block somewhere. So this defensive line for Iowa state is a real problem for teams coming into whomever they play. Yeah. And it, something that I just think is impressive that they were able to do is outside of the one touchdown that they scored off of Purdy's fumble, which was inside the Iowa State 40. First field goal drive, seven plays, uh, took almost four minutes. First touchdown drive, 10 plays, took almost five minutes. Second touchdown, seven plays, almost took three minutes. 11 plays for their first field goal of the second half, six minutes. Nine plays, three and a half minutes for their first second field goal, then the touchdown off off of the fumble. Oklahoma has always feasted off of people being off of being able to hit those, you know, three plays, 86 yards, mm-hmm. one minute and 37 second touchdown drives in Iowa State just completely eliminated them. And I think you could see where that was flustering. And, and that's what it came down to with Rattler. It was like, eventually he's going to do something because he's going to try and be the hero and make the play and like try and throw the deep ball. And you finally saw him do it uh, on the last play of the, uh, their last offensive play of the game where, where Ashim Young comes up with the interception. Was there a defensive pass, in the, pass interference? That's, uh, you know, neither here nor there at this point. But uh, it's one of those things where they were like, okay, if we make this freshman quarterback stand out there and play 12 plays, he's going to mess up on one up of them. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah, he's going to mess one of them up. And it took him until the very end of the game, but he finally messed one up. And, and I mean, he obviously messed up other times during the game, but uh, that's what I just felt, felt like was really Im- uh, impressive for, for Iowa state. And really, I mean, even in these last couple of years, they'd never been able to completely eliminate that from, uh, from the games, you know, CD lamb would always have a long touchdown or like, uh, I can't think of a specific really example or yeah, whoever it may be, like they would always have one play where it's like, they'd, they'd go 65 or 70 yards or Antonio and, Brown's cousin. Right. And they would never be able to do it, you know? And um, that's what I felt like. I came away from it. I was like, man, they completely eliminated the big play from Oklahoma's offense. Well, and the thing that was, and again, that's the reason why you can do that is when you can only send 80% of your eligible receivers down the field because you need to hold one of them back. So your quarterback doesn't get hit in the teeth. That's where the secondary becomes a lot. It's, it is way easier to cover four than to cover five. Because especially if you have eight in coverage, then you can play an over-under on pretty much everyone. You can double, not not literally double cover stuff because routes and stuff, but you can almost double cover everybody because there's eight defenders for four receivers. Right. And then you have to make sure that the quarterback doesn't scramble and go make something happen in and of his own. The other fun thing is um, 
Iowa State, we mentioned this last week with TCU, and you said what? It was like a six and a half out of 10? I think yeah, this something game like that. defensively was like an eight out of 10. There was still stuff they screwed up. Like they were still out of position on a few things. There were still times when they didn't play their best ball. There was, they missed a few tackles on Rattler again because he was, you know, do you slide, do you hit him when he's gone down or whatever? It's an eight out of 10. I think offensively it was like a six and a half out of 10. They ran the ball really well by the end of the game, but there were still, and we can get more into this in like the second segment of, about the offense and the things they did well and the things they still need to work on. But like overall, I'd give the, the Iowa State play like a seven and a half out of 10 and still beat Oklahoma unsurprisingly like not to say that beating a ranked team or beating Oklahoma is you know it's not an accomplishment but as you watch that game especially as it came into the second half you're like I always think you'll probably win you know like it, it's not like in in 2017 where you have some no-name quarterback and you have some you know, have a couple really good receivers that are just going to make some plays at the end of the game or whatever. And there, there's some fluke stuff that happens. And all of a sudden, Alan Lazard catches a touch and they go, shoot, we did not see that one coming. You, you know, you stole one in 2017. Right. They didn't steal this game. They won this game outright. Like they were the better team from midway through the second quarter all the way to the end of the game. They were unquestionably the better team. And they still didn't even play their best game. There's still so much more that this offense has and needs to get to to get where they want to go it was just still again you can play seven and a half and beat oklahoma and oklahoma's not bad i think they're going to end up i bet they end up winning at nine games right. so cool right like, you know, win two games two of your hardest games in the schedule don't play your best games to still win yeah and i think you know um oh i was going to say shout out to Ashim young too he played pretty well mm-hmm. That's a kid who's going to be a very good football player for us. He's, he's got some dog in him. He's got he plays, some dog in him. He plays fast, man. Holy cow. That's a kid who likes to hit people. He is. Uh, he also, he likes to hit people. He also likes to let you know that he hit you. Like he is, he's got some dog in him. You know, like Eisworth, like I say, he's more cerebral player. He's just in the right spot at the right time. Technique yeah. is perfect all the time. I seem young. That dude's, he's that's, a, that, that's he's what I'm that's what I'm saying. As he gets like smarter in the system uh-huh. and because he still makes some mistakes where he's not in the place, probably in the place where he's supposed to be, but he's like making those mistakes at a million and a half miles an hour. Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah, okay. We're probably going to make some plays sometimes that it's like that maybe we shouldn't, but uh, you know, this is where you're supposed to be. Once he's in the place that he's supposed to be like 95% of the time, <laughs> the kid's going to be at a different level. When, whereas right now he's probably there at like 75 to 80%. Also and, shout out. So the other two shout outs that I wanted to give on defensively, which I don't know if we we're going to get to is um, Anthony Johnson mm-hmm. had a really solid game. The other corner, whomever it was at the time, it was most of the time it was Tavon Kyle. Sometimes they put Daytron Young in. Um, Did they put Daytron in? A few times. And they, but Anthony Johnson was really solid through the entirety of the game and the thing that he brought the thing that anthony johnson has gotten better at over the you know from the time that he started playing last last year in week one versus now is his run fits are so much better his like him iowa state is because of guys like anthony johnson the other one before i get this bigger larger point was jaquan bailey and jaquan bailey did not have the same amount of pressures that he did last week against TCU, you know, the pressure is the sacks, like that crazy, you know, three and a half sack game. You're not going to have that every week, but the thing that he did that was so like 
Iowa State stopped the run in large part because of number three. And the reason is if you are playing Oklahoma and you commit completely to one thing or the other, like you turn your shoulders and you dive down and try and take the running back, or you try and kill the quarterback, or you try and blow up the fullback or whatever. If you try and do all these things fully and not stay disciplined to your responsibility, you know, you don't have to make the tackle on every single play. But if you keep your shoulders square and stay tight down the line, when the running back does make a cutback, you're right there for a one yard gain. And then you're second and nine or they're third and seven. And he was playing so well on the backside of plays, just staying flat down the line. Like the one where you're talking about where uh, the running back was dancing and Mike Rose about took his helmet off. <clears throat> that was that play started. There was two players on that one where the first one is Jaquan Bailey played down the line, which made him have to bubble back. Like he didn't want, he had to double back over and then Eisworth was there to essentially stop him from escaping. And then there was just this bubble that was there. And all of a sudden Rose had a, a, a gap to shoot through and hit him in the face. But that those plays became nothing plays because Jaquan Bailey was really solid on there. And I think the bigger, larger point is we talked about, you know, the thing that Oklahoma does, it was on the pregame show. The thing that Oklahoma does is they are in, in poor defense is they start trying to do way too much as they get out of position because they're trying to make up for someone else who is not in their position. And it's, it's better. I would say after watching this, it's better this year than it has been in years past, but they still get out of position because they're trying to, they don't play team true team defense every hundred percent of the plays. Iowa state from a defensive standpoint played team 100% team first defense. Cause there weren't, there wasn't a time when you looked at, I mean, other than Mike on certain plays and other than, you know, like I said, Jaquan Bailey playing like on the backside of it, there wasn't any one player that you looked at. was like, that dude is stopping Oklahoma. If you're like, there are 11 guys in black on defense and at any given tackle, there's going to be four of them. And it wasn't because each one of them is trying to make the tackle. It's because again, to, to, to take it back to that example, Jaquan Bailey is shuffle, or shuffling down the line. You have Anthony Johnson who had a hard border line on the, on the, the, the high, hard edge of the play that made the running back want to turn around. Jaquan Bailey doesn't let him. So he's got a bubble back. Greg Eisworth goes to cut him off. So he can't run any farther. The rest of the defense starts to suffocate around and Mike Rose penetrates through and hits him, you know, about again, about takes his helmet off. But Mike Rose getting the tackle on that play wasn't because Mike did the best job on the field. Anthony Johnson made the cutoff. Bailey made him bubble back. Eisworth made him stop. And then Rose took him, you know, took his head off. He was the one that actually made the kind of punctuation mark at the end of it, but it's not, that wasn't Mike doing a great job. That was the entire defense setting Mike up to do a really good job. So that was just a really good team defensive game. And you have to have that in order to stop offenses like Oklahoma, because I'd be really, I'll be honest, two and a half years from now, I am not going to want to play Spencer Rattler. I am not going to want to compete against that dude because once he gets more comfortable with what everyone's doing, it's going to be really hard to get in his head. And when he is playing comfortable, it is everything's on target. I mean, so it's going to be dirty in a couple of years, but right now, while he's still inexperienced, you can get to him and they did. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, we'll switch it over to the offense one time or here in just a, in, in just a second. But uh, I do want to say too, if you have never heard the – or if you've never looked into Aishim Young's story, how he ended up at Iowa State, you should check it out. Google him. Worth the, can, you give us a, can you give us a teaser? Uh, he was committed to Penn State. He was one of the top safeties in the country in the 
20 must have been 2018 class i think uh got into a little bit of trouble ended up having to go to a prep school for one year and ended up at iowa state he was like a top five safety in the country in the 2018 class well you can see it on the field yeah that that's why i was like coming into the year i was like man if there's going to be a guy who's going to break out it's probably me this one uh all right you want to switch over to the offense then absolutely all right first things first authentic brand is more than just your source for official cyclone cyclone gear With an amazing team of designers, Authentic Brand can custom manufacture polo shirts, jackets, caps, bags, and beyond for your team or small business. Check them out online at authentic-brand.com. Look authentic, feel authentic, be authentic. All right, so you talked about how there was – you didn't think there was one, like, singular play that flipped Mm -hmm. the game. And this is not on – this is not offensive, but I think if there was one play in my mind that flipped the the game, it was Kanae's – kickoff return after Oklahoma went up by a score uh, after the Purdy fumble. And then to uh, be able to, to get that return from Kane and immediately flip the momentum back Iowa State's direction, uh, that was as big of a play in the game in my mind. And that was, that was just one of them. You know, like it's, it's to say, like these moments had to happen in sequence where I would say equally as big is the drive immediately following that one when it's, when you need a big run and Brees Hall puts on an absolute clinic on how to run his own play runs for 37 yards, that play was just as big as the Kane play. And that, you know, uh, hitting Spencer Rattler in the third quarter with that horn sack, that was just as big of a play. I think it, it's each one of those things had to happen, but man, Kane's good. It's too bad that run got called back by a stupid illegal, you know, an illegal formation, which it was a correct call based on what I mean, it kind of looked like it was, Um, but either way, like it's too bad that that got called back because it is, that dude is, you know, we've been saying it for five years. He is explosive. And I'm uh, the only thing that surprised me about that kick return. Isn't that it happened because I think he's at, at the time at the broadcast before they factored in that big return this year, he was averaging like 27 yards a return or something like that. And that, that average is probably up over 30 or 35 now because he had a 80 yard return. What I was surprised about is someone actually caught him. Like not as they caught him, like just enough to push him out of bounds. That was the thing that surprised me is I like someone actually had enough athleticism to get Kane with three fingers at full speed to push him out of bounds. That was a surprising part. Yeah, and what I was going to say, uh, what I'll say about that is he, that guy took a phenomenal angle and still only got one hand on him to barely be able to push him out of bounds. And even then, Kane like ran for five more yards. You know, yeah. it knocked him off balance just enough to get him to step out of bounds. Uh, that guy's name is Woody Washington. He spells Woody with an I. Oh, if he, he would have been a full tackle if he had spelled it with a Y. I get. <laughs> I, I tweeted out, I was like, man, shout out to Woody Washington for taking a phenomenal angle on that play, uh, as my friend calls me. Uh, and um, I was like, but also just shout out for using, for spelling your name with Woody with an I, you know. That's, like, that's just against everything. That's against everything. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it is. Sorry, my friend was calling me. But uh yeah, I think when you look at the offense, Kane's kick return was really big. Uh, wish he'd been able to score that touchdown. Um, 
But I think the other one, I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to number 28 is just really freaking good. He is so good. Um, I was listening to the, uh, the Sunday pod between Williams and Bloom. Um, and they were saying, you know, is, is Brees better than Montgomery? Like you're in that conversation now. Is Brees a better running back than Dave Montgomery? Um, his Brees's brain as a running back is better than David's. If you're David's physicality as of now is a better running back. Like you can't, I mean, David is a 5'11 tank of a human. Brees is so smart with how he uses angles and timing mm-hmm. that that's what makes him great. I mean, granted he has great balance. He has great footwork. He's long, he has long limbs, long levers, strong, that kind of stuff. But what makes him so good is he knows what's going to happen before it happens. And that's what makes like when you watch, you know, back in Le'Veon Bell was in his heyday, the thing that was the most impressive about Le'Veon Bell, which I think to me, that's the biggest correlation is Le'Veon Bell and Brees Hall are sort of what I would put them together. Um, because I, so I was listening to the, the post-game interview with Eric Heft and Brees came on um, and, and talked about that. The, the two plays in the fourth quarter that essentially iced, you know, it, it's the game winning touchdown to, to call it that. And uh, when he, when, Heft asked him, said, Hey, walk me through what you, you know, walk me through what you saw. And, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, well, I, it was just an inside zone run. And I played with the linebackers a little bit to get him where I wanted them. And then I took off that sentence in and of itself should not come from a true sophomore. That is beautiful. And so the thing is, as a running back, you, I, I, whenever so when I coached, whenever I coach a running back or whenever I talk to a running back or whatever, you, I just asked the same questions of how many touchdowns can you score without a ball? How many completions can you get without a ball? How many tackles can a defender have not on the ball? How many interceptions can you get without a ball? Everything revolves around the football. And when a quarterback hands it to you and says, all right, this is yours now, everyone is looking at you. They have to try and get to you. So right. you control the pace of the game because you know where everyone wants to go. It's right in your arms. So as a running back, you got to know, all right, linebackers, they're trying to get to, they're trying to get to the ball. They have to fill their gap. So if I'm, if I push my steps just a little bit farther to the left, the linebackers are trying to get to me. They're going to step to the left to match me. And I'm just going to cut right behind them. If you go too fast, you are not taking advantage of everyone's eyes being on the ball. And so Brees in that play, if you were to see, it's, it's not a, go right now. It's take the ball, hesitate for a second. And then once the linebacker commits, then he turns the gas on and then gives a dead leg, which that's just talent and feel gives a dead leg to the, uh, to the backside linebacker and then runs up the field, protecting the ball. Then immediately the next play have to ask him to walk through that one. He said, you know, I was playing with the safety. I wanted him to get over top and get him in a bad position. And so he's just, he knows what's happening before it happens because he knows what everyone on defense wants to do. And he puts them in positions that are disadvantageous to them because he knows what's going to happen afterwards. So Brees mentally as a running back is so far beyond where a true sophomore should be. And then you add that to, and we know how fast he is. We know how physical he is, just how he works angles, how he works linebackers, how he works the blocking scheme. It makes a good offensive line look really good. Like Iowa state still didn't have 
downing. They're, they still didn't have their best offensive lineman, and they were still he was still able to run for 130 yards mm-hmm. and two touchdowns. So imagine what's going to happen when you actually have guys that can move people around with a running back that sets everyone up. Like I watched it, I watched the game again this morning, and the first thing that stood out, uh, the main thing that stood out after leaving with watching the offense on Saturday night was Brees Hall's really good. Yeah. And the thing that after watching it again on on uh, this morning was Brees Hall's really really good. There's no other bones about it. The dude is a stud of a running back. Yeah, and the play that he made right before the end of the first half when they were inside the red zone and he had to swoop all the way out around, I think it was third and six, and they ran their, that inside zone play. And he swooped all the way around and made like three different linebackers miss. And I think they brought him down in like the three. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a – he did that all himself. That to was be a able to, run. That's what right. that was. Exactly. That was a, that was a big time run. Um, all right. I mean, I think, you know, Brees is like really the big thing with the offense that I felt like we needed to cover. Uh, I got two other things that I want to talk about really quick. Um, first of all, the throw that Brock Purdy made uh, on the touchdown to Xavier Hutchinson. That's why Brock Purdy is being thrown around as a potential NFL quarterback. That, that was, was a big, that was a big time ball. throw. Yeah. That ball, the highest point of that ball was in his hand the lowest point of that ball was in his hand. It was like a straight line the entire time uh, when it was in the air. That was an absolute dart and great play call too. Yeah. And that was a, they really got a, they got a break on that drive uh, that he was able to, uh, they were able to draw a defensive holding penalty uh, the play before that. Otherwise they would have gone three and out and they probably would have been in trouble there early in the third, uh, in the third quarter. Uh, all right. The other thing, we got to talk about the play of the tight ends. First of all, I think that Iowa State converted the first ever tight end to tight end pass in the history of college <laughs> football, uh, at least that I know of. Uh, phenomenal throw by Dylan Sainer uh, and a great catch by, by Chase Allen. And then just what Charlie Kohler brought on Saturday, he had four catches for 66 yards, but I bet that he drew at least almost 66 yards in penalties. Mm-hmm. Well, and not even necessarily the yards in those penalties aren't necessarily as important as the automatic first downs, you know, yeah. like Charlie is Mr. First down because it, it, so I'm going to make like a, just a, I'm quoting a movie. I'm going to make one little mini swear. So close the, close the ears of the young ones if you need to remember in the water boy, when uh, he's trying to convince the kicker to just find like to visualize an opponent. And right. then he sees a guy and goes, there's my bitch. Like, what Iowa State did to the Oklahoma defense was they looked where 44 was. I was going to say, Brent, they looked for Bucky Radley Hiles. They, yeah, they looked for Radley Hiles and they said, there's my bitch. Yeah. And the thing that they did, especially when Charlie was on there, Brock, it was almost 100% of the time, if Charlie was lined up against 44, he just threw it up to him and just see what was going to happen. Three different times was called for a holding or a pass interference because he's 5'8". He's, he's giving up a foot. Yeah to a guy who's a really good basketball player who understands positioning. There's no way nobody played with Trey young. Yeah. I, wow. I've never heard that one before. Did you know George Niang played with Nerlens Noel? I did. But with whenever they had that matchup, Charlie was able to just get in position and Brock was just going to put it somewhere near him and watch what happens with a five, eight defender on a six, six Charlie. But the other thing that I think was cool is your, your clay Thompson metaphor. It yeah. held true is when he's on the field, you got to know where he is, which allowed Chase Allen to do have to have the game that he had because 
Chase can't be the primary receiver. That's not his game. His game is just mauling linebackers and pushing defensive ends around. That's his game. But when he's on the, when Charlie's in the field and Chase is able to be the second tight end option that like there was a, it was a third down conversion where Chase just sat down in the middle of his zone. That zone had to stay wide because you have a receiver on one side, you have Charlie on the other and there's no, you can't fade off of 88. So Brock just drilled one to Chase Allen was able to get down the field for a first down. So Charlie being in gives, you could tell Brock is just much more comfortable with him in the game. Yeah, man. The it's so funny with, with Bradley Hiles. I think he committed to like five different schools during the recruiting process. I don't know that there's ever been a, uh, number of fans that got really excited about a kid in the recruiting process to his actual production in college. I mean, <laughs> Oklahoma's like defensive back room has to just be, especially at that nickelback position, has to just be terrible. I mean, that they continue to put him out there because well, he, he gets he gets beat up every week. Well, it's he is probably really good against teams that don't scout as well as Iowa State does, and the reason what I so. Iowa State has a big size advantage. They highlighted it like six different times mm-hmm. in the broadcast. They have a huge size advantage against Oklahoma's defensive backs, especially they average 5'10". That's with a 5'8 defensive back. He's listed yeah. at 5'9", no chance. See him in person, not a chance. But And he might be a – he honestly might be a good player in certain situations. Uh, and I don't know him as a person. Maybe he's probably – I'll just assume he's a good dude. But because of his size, in order for him to be effective – he can't come at 70% speed. Right. Like in order, if you are five, let's call him five, nine at top and out at buck 75. If you're five, nine buck 75 and Brees Hall catches a pass. You better come get full top. strength. Yeah. You better come with a hundred percent momentum. Yeah. And so Iowa state studying film. There is, I think they had five pass plays over 30 yards. Two of them were almost identical. One of which was Charlie catching a slant and immediately doubling back and getting down the field. And then the other one was Tariq uh, right before the tight end to tight end pass was just essentially caught up. It was like a, a roll route. It was like an out it was a quick out. Both of those plays were against Bradley Hiles because again, he's five, nine, 175, trying to tackle a dude that he's sacrificing 50 pounds to. I mean, Tariq Milton, he's not sacrificing 50 pounds, but just the way that he plays is 1 billion percent. So I guarantee in the film room, they were like, Hey, if you are matched up against 44 and he is, and you know that, you know, whatever coverage they're going to play. And you know that he's either man or he's playing a hook zone or he's playing the, the flat. When you catch the ball, throw the brakes on because he's going to run right by you. Yeah. So Charlie did the same thing. He caught the ball 44 zips right by him because he, they watched film. They knew what he was going to do. And Tariq did the same thing, which led to that thing being wide open. If they catch it and keep running and, Again, they, they, he, Riley Hiles, by all intents and purposes, was getting to the right position. But because he's little and I think a bit aggressive, he, has to, he comes in way too fast, way faster than you should. And by the time someone throws the brakes on, he can't take all of his full speed momentum, put it in the ground and redirect it. So Iowa State, they, really, it's they worked their strategy around 44. And they were like, all right most of the big plays that happened were against 44, not because he's a bad player, but because they know how to put him in situations where he's going to screw himself over. They're going to make him, I think the one, the one that I thought was the funniest was, I think it was Sean Shaw. that got the PI in the end zone. Riley Hiles climbed him. Like yeah. 
<laughs> he used his shoulders and like tried to leapfrog him and grabbed up on his hips. I mean, cool. You, yeah. you want to climb another human being right. on a football field, but they knew where he was at all times. And they kind of set like Brock could tell it's again, like that water boy thing. Like there's my bitch. Like I know where you are and I'm going to do everything I can to put you in a bad position. And they couldn't do anything about it. And then by the time Brees started to wear down, wear down that defensive line, because he puts him in such bad positions, then you don't really have an option to stop Iowa state when they're doing that. Well, so that was the funny part is that they were like, all right, where's 44. Ah, there he is. You're, you're matched up on Charlie Kolar. All right, Charlie, just run. I'm going to throw it up. Just run. Right. All right, man. I got to go. But uh, I'll talk to you again on, uh, on Friday for the Cyclone Fanatic Tailgate Show. Another big one coming up this week. It's a good one. I'm excited. It's, it's much more fun to talk about wins than losses. It definitely is. Hopefully we'll be able to talk about another one next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace.